Hey everyone, and welcome back to Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 201 of the podcast. That is episode 201. Before we get into it, make sure wherever you're listening, uh, go like, subscribe, five-star rate, and review the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the notification bell so you know every time we drop a new episode as we are doing right this second. Let's get into it. The first and foremost, we always try to start by going over what's been going on for the week in the market. Um, pretty, pretty good week. Um, I'll say it, um, it was, it was roughly, we we're up about half a percent up so far. The last month, um, has been pretty strong for the market in the last, you know, relatively speaking six months, but it's really October, end of October is where we saw this resurgence in the stock market, getting back to all time highs, roughly we're, we're closing in on that on our all time highs, um, from a bit ago. So again, this resurgence happened. And there's a couple of reasons why. The main reason, if you look here, being that the market is trying to take into account the new earnings report we had and job support we had. Those are some of the three, the, the market um, indicators right now that are pushing the market a little bit higher. Um, basically, we also saw Google, Alphabet parent, um, shares of Google parent Alphabet um, gaining 5% today off the launch of their Gemini artificial intelligence model. Um, but so that's pulling the market higher a little bit respectively. But a lot of this has been focused on weekless jobless claims, which came in a lot lower, excuse me, the weekly jobless claims came in a lot higher than expected. Um, and they were actually below the economics ex expectations. So their reading of a continuous jobless claims um, declined, indicating that the pace of layoffs hasn't increased. So a couple of things going on with there. There's a private payroll data that came out Wednesday that showed employers added fewer positions than econ economists forecasted. So that's that private payroll data showing, you know, how many um, positions are being added to the economy, how much more production, jobs. Um, and so traders are looking at this picture saying that we're having inflation go down. The job market's still strong, but it's showing signs of cracking. And the consumer and demand is also showing signs of cracking. What does that mean? Are we going to potentially see rate cuts? Some banks and some research companies are starting to show rate cuts as much as six times in next year, which I don't foresee. I think we're just going to have rates stay higher for longer. They're going to stay where they're at for a bit longer. And I guess, and I think the Fed, Jerome Powell and the Fed, the Fed chair and the Fed, they want to see a crack in unemployment, and they want to see a crack in the housing market before they feel comfortable bringing rates down. Because what not right now, what's driving rates is pretty much what's driving CPI is pretty much oil prices. Oil prices is probably one of the main um, components driving CPI. So um, as you see here, again that October low, a huge huge bounce back from that. And again, that's what people don't understand about the market. I've always said you don't just try to invest. For short terms, you try to hold for longer terms. You try to do smart um, considerations for longer because people start complaining and, and start not understanding that part of the market is ebbs and flows, and they start complaining around October. They're not understanding what's going on, but you know if they just listen, wait, use patience, and have a longer time frame horizon, and maybe people don't, and that's just again not what New Street does. We have a longer time horizon, which if you've been investing, you know in a sense for, for with us or in, 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 like you're just seeing what longer time horizon does. Here's a five-year time chart um, showing what the bottom of the pandemic um, to where we are now. So um, that's one thing to note um, what's going on. I want to touch on 
um, cryptocurrency as well. Um, so we're seeing a resurgence um, in cryptocurrency. Um, and a lot of that, again, is it's driven by a few things. One of the things is the ETF approval that is coming down the pipeline um, for, for uh, Bitcoin. The more likely the ETF approval that will come down the pipeline for ETH. So a lot of people, again, and again, that's what goes back to that long-term thinking. A lot of people were, I've seen people pretty much get, get rid of their Bitcoin, do all these different things. We, again, we always have a longer time horizon for these things. And I always said, have a smaller percent allocation into your cryptocurrency. Uh, we even started doing that for clients in sense of managing their cryptocurrency. Recently, Gemini made the decision to stop allowing advisors to manage um, cryptocurrency for folks on their platform. So we're actively evaluating other platforms, but we told folks to hold on because we, you know, this is a longer term play. There's a limited supply, all these different things. We talked about the technology, all these different things, but we just have to hold on. It's a longer term play. I was one of those people that held on. I didn't sell any of my cryptocurrency. Um, and you don't need to sell for people that don't need cash. You don't need to sell if you have a long-term horizon. So I didn't sell any of my personal cryptocurrency or any of those things. But if you're looking year to date, um, there's been a strong resurgence over a one-year time frame, over 100x percent. So now trending at 43,000, a little bit above 43,000 versus the depths that it was, um, you know, Pretty much at the end of, if we look at 2022 in October, um, in November, um, sitting around 16,000 um, and now pushing forward to 43. So again, people that don't, they they that's why again, traders and people that want to do stuff themselves, they lose, they lack a lot of this, this fundamental analysis to understand, um, sometimes looking at things from a little bit different lens. So that's something to watch out for as well. Um, we'll go to current events so far. Um, I I looked at this and saw it was interesting. So Sheen, I think, is looking to go public. That's a clothes retailer, and 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 they do different stuff stuff as well. It's a fashion giant, a China based fashion giant. That's Sheen, um, and Amazon, of course, competes with uh, Sheen and other retailers and, and fashion giants and any sort of people that are selling anything because Amazon pretty much sells anything. Um, but Amazon is going to cut their seller fees for clothing price under $20. So Sheen is that fast fashion. I mean, it's like people debate how it's actually produced because they're selling things for so cheap. Um, but selling things for cheap, they're cutting their seller fees um, on Sheen. Their, their seller fees are low because they're selling things for cheap, producing for cheap, all this stuff. It's all about low um, and low and price and cut low margins. But Amazon, of course, wants those higher margins. But to compete with Sheen, they're lowering their seller fees for clothes price under $20. It's a move to fight against uh, fast fashion giant Sheen. So beginning in January, seller fees on clothing cheaper than 15 will drop to 5% and items priced from 15 to $20 will drop to 10%. Both fees um, used to be 17%. And Sheen shifted its focus this summer from its branded apparel to Amazon-like online marketplace using third-party vendors to sell a variety of Products. So they're going after Amazon by saying, hey, we're not just going to focus on fashion. We're going to sell a variety of products through third-party vendors. And so Amazon's taking a strike back um, and realizing that Sheen and these other companies, and Sheen's one of those companies that's going to IPO soon, are looking to cut into their own margins. Speed, another tech giant, Alphabet, Google, they launched their Gemini AI model. So they said it's the most advanced version of a newly launched AI model. Gemini Ultra is able to outperform human experts on certain tests 
Google made what uh, they thought was a substantial leap forward in the artificial intelligence rates Wednesday. The market seemed to like it as well. If you're on, um, um, if you're on YouTube with us, the market liked it as well um, on the Nasdaq. I think as of this morning, again we're recording on Thursday morning. We were up f- almost five percent on the day. They were up five percent on the day. Um, so again, the market cheering it, um, and then they, there's a kind of a big jump today based on this news um, of their new language Gem- uh, Gem- M- AI model, Gemini. Um, they're saying it's a uh, bill that's most capable. It's developed using Google's own AI chips. It can process information from video, text, image, and audio sources, and is capable of complex reasoning and grasping nuance. Oh, okay. Okay, they're saying that these things are going to be as advanced as us in five to 10 years. And this is <laughs> pretty much showing that these generative AI models are actually catching up to humans. So if you're doing a job um, that a computer can do, watch out. These are now starting to be as sound and nuanced as a human being. That's that's getting to scary territory, boys. But the market liked it. And I was, was on a CNBC show months back. And I said that I think Google wins this AI race. Um, and one of the winners of this AI race, is, if you're looking at it from the three tech giants like Microsoft, Apple, um, Google's winning. NVIDIA is another winner in the sense of their chips. Um, and so they're 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 winning. They're up there. It's, it's going to be a race and people are choosing their bets. Um, another large company that is doing something different than growing, McKinsey, which obviously, you know, is a big audit and consulting firm, they're lowering their partner class. So if you know these companies, they usually have, you know, it's a, it's a pyramid, right? It's a structure. There's a bunch of associates that start and associates maybe move to like vice presidents. I don't know how they do it in, in consulting. It's different. It's similar to like what they did in investment banking. And then from there, um, you know, they go from VP to director and then director to managing director, which would be a similar to a partner in a McKinsey or a consulting firm. So, um, their things are getting harder at the top. The newest class of partners at McKinsey and Company is just 250 names long. The Wall Street Journal reports that's that's a 35% from last year's class of 380 new partners and a 40% decrease um, from the 420 who landed the coveted promotion in 2021. So it's getting harder. That means they feel like there's not going to be enough work to go around because a partner, in a sense, is finding new business, finding new clientele, managing the current clientele they have. Um, and that's that's what they they do, but it sounds like it's tough time for consulting. I mean, they're cutting the partner class, um, which again, the partners get paid the most um, and they're supposed to generate new business at least and as well manage current business. Um, and they just cut the class. That's a t- so People are saying, is it the sign of the times that demand is shrinking? Of course, companies call on consultants when they need things done. Consultants bill them heavily for their hours um, and maybe their companies are pulling back on their consulting fees. So that's something to watch out for. Um, and, and for us, and a lot of people are thinking that's a bellwether of what's to come. Um, but we'll have to, we'll have to watch that really, really closely to see if it is. Uber is going to join the S and P 500. This is, um, after a banning year for the, um, Uber, but yeah, they're, they're looking to join. They're on the the, the crest, the, the, the cusp of joining. Um, it's often the benchmark for the broader market, of course, the S&P 500 is. Companies joining the S&P club may sometimes see a temporary stock boost. Sometimes, again, you never know because their addition can drive buying from fund managers that are buying the S&P. Of course, they have to buy a piece 
of what's in the S&P. Um, so roughly a third of S&P companies have been replaced since 2015, and 11 companies have been added this year, including Airbnb and Lululemon. Um, I definitely think Uber should be in S&P 500. Their market cap broke 100 billion last month, um, and that's the second time ever. It's now sitting at roughly 119 billion dollar valuation. Um, it makes sense for me for them to be in in the running or in the S&P 500. It just makes total total sense. Um, yeah, I think you know one thing we'll talk about in our roundtable, folks, as we get to the roundtable, is just the the overall thought process you end the year, right? Like you could be one tired. Um, exhausted, hit your goals and not hit your goals. Um, but there, as we end the year, we're almost there. What are you planning to do for the rest of the, you know, the several months that you have? I don't think it's a thing where you have to put your pressure on yourself to try to accomplish everything that you couldn't or haven't yet in this year that you esteem to do. But I do think it's good for us to, to see if we can push harder for everyone that's out there. I know it's exhausting in quarter four. Everyone's pushing things to Q1. Everyone's tired. Everyone's got holiday family plans, but just be, stay focused on our goals. Stay focused on our goals. Um, we're all in this together. We've been speaking on this platform for months. You guys have been listening for years, uh, years and months, um, especially for new listeners or old. But one thing we, we set goals out for 2023 whether you're accomplished or not, you still have plenty of time left in this month to get to everything you want. And then you can celebrate at the end of the year. Celebration is also part of this. Review, setting goals for next year is all part of this. So let's make sure we do that. We finish strong. We do all the things we want to do so we can help ourselves and our family out. We will be doing another personal finance webinar for women end of this month to kick off the new year. Um, we'll be sending out several select clients to to forward those people in their network. Um, if you know people, um, especially women that are either creative, self-employed, nine to fivers that want help in this area, make sure they tap in with us and we'll get them all set up. Folks, this is another fun episode. We will make sure to stay doing our thing and we will talk to you next week.